Hello, everybody. It's really good to see you. Glad you joined us on campus. And those of you who joined us online, we're grateful that you chose to be with us today. We are in the conclusion of this series, Happy How. It's been a great series for me anyway. I hope it's been a great series for you. We have been challenged in these past number of months to experience the kind of happiness that we want. Uh, There's a lot of uh, things nibbling at the edges of our happiness or maybe just plain pulling the carpet out from underneath it. And so we're discovering a new kind of deeper kind of happiness that God provides and we're looking into the Psalms. We were in Psalm 1 the first week, Psalm 2 the second week, and getting clever. And on the third week, we're doing Psalm 3 and 4 together, which is 34. I... I actually got that from Doug and Tanny when they're sharing with the Children's Church to give them sort of some tools to hang on to what we're doing. And I'm going to share a couple of other things from the Children's Church Department that they're working on this lesson today, and they were so good. I saw their online version, which was pre-recorded, and I'm going to share a couple of things with you. Um, we are in this challenging time where we're busy trying to help ourselves feel better, and so often our own way of doing that is uh, hunting for a happiness, and what we pour into our lives to make ourselves feel happy is usually short-lived and shallow. And the reason for that is we're, we are pouring into our own self what we think will make us happy. And to illustrate that in Children's Church, what they did, and I I don't even know how they did it, because it wasn't through um, video manipulation. They're going to do it live with their kids today. Um, Doug takes a big red cup. He says, well, this is how people are trying to make themselves happy. He took another red cup, and Tanny was holding that one. He poured into the one red cup, and they set both cups then on a table in, in the view of everybody, and they're talking along and talking along, and then talking about how if you're just pouring into yourself, here's what you come up with. And they took the cup that they poured this water into and went like this, and nothing came out. And it was like, woo, and that's great stuff in front of kids, you know? So you'd have to ask them about the, how they were able to pull that off, but that is precisely what's taking place in our lives when we're aiming for happiness that it looks like I'm going to pour into me. And when I'm going to pour into me, we end up with nothing. Nothing long-lasting, nothing deep. It's all short and shallow, and we want to do that again and again and again, and it's just not working for anything deep and long-lasting. And so we're going to look at a better way to enjoy a happiness, a blessing before God that's deeper and longer-lasting, and we're going to be in Psalm 34 to do that. So we're going to jump into the middle of the psalm because there's an invitation right in the middle of the psalm. Well, it's not quite the middle. It's in verse 8, and it reads this way, this invitation, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him? So taste and see that the Lord is good. So here's an invitation to us to experience I mean, when you say taste and see, we're using language of our own senses to experience, literally experience, the goodness of God. And that there's a deeper, 
more long-lasting happiness that comes if we'll take God up on this invitation instead of pouring ourselves into ourselves or pouring something into ourselves that comes from whatever we think will make us happy. How not, why not take God up on this invitation to see that he is good and will give us something better? Now, because of the language taste and see, point number one is this recipe. When you talk about tasting and seeing, I mean, taste is a recipe word. And here, if you put all this together, here's the recipe for tasting the goodness of God. So here's a recipe for happiness. We're going to begin now at Psalm 34.1. Before I do, just a little bit of background on this psalm. This psalm, like a number of psalms, now if you're not familiar with psalms, psalms are a collection of the worship songs of the Jewish people over the collection of years uh, from when they became a nation and into all the way up until their, the time of the exile and even beyond the exile. So this is their large hymnal. And this particular psalm, instead of, you know, singing off of the screen and seeing the lyrics off of the screen, which they didn't have, nor did they all together now turn to this psalm and let's sing together. They would have these memorized and sing along and they use little tricks. So there are a number of song, psalms that are acrostics. Now in English you can't see this because they're based on the Hebrew alphabet. And so this is one of those acrostic psalms where you can know what next line is coming because you're working your way down the alphabet as you're singing line after line after line. In these kinds of psalms, you kind of have to hold it together and see how it holds together because usually it's stitched together not just by the alphabet. It's stitched together by theme. And we're going to see that here. And we're going to see two large blocks where it goes into this one theme and then shifts, even in the tone, it shifts into kind of this wisdom literature type of tone teaching us about how this works. And so that's just some background as we jump into this. So the first part of the recipe, Psalm 34.1 reads, I will bless the Lord at all times. And that is even a surprising line when you think about it. I will bless the Lord. So you're singing, I will bless the Lord at all times. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you can make God happy. You can bless God if you will choose to bless him. If you will choose to trust him and believe in him and know him and choose to respond at his word and respond to what he's done for you and you speak that back to him. And so the first ingredient in this recipe of happiness is you need to pour one full measure of you out into this recipe. You are part of this recipe and nobody can choose but you to bless the Lord. Those around you in church today, if they choose to enter into worship and bless the Lord, that doesn't touch your happiness if you don't choose to enter in and bless the Lord. If it's only uh, singing along and you're mindless and brainless and just kind of mouthing the words and really working through your grocery list or whatever, your task list while you're singing, that isn't blessing the Lord either. And God knows your heart and he knows when you're pouring one full measure of you out in blessing before him. Nobody can praise God for you. Your parents' faith and your parents' 
uh, singing with you next to you when you were a kid, that that isn't the same thing as when your family faith then shifts into your own personal faith and you begin to choose to worship as well. The training is helpful, but eventually you'll need to choose. The training, even as we get together, is helpful. Where we see people are worshiping, and at first it might seem odd to us, and then we start to try it. And we see, oh, now I understand this is not a concert. Now I understand it's not just listening. Now I understand that I've got to choose to enter in and bless the Lord. And that's the first ingredient. We continue in verse 1 still. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And so you pour one full measure of you as the first step in the recipe. How? Through praise on your lips. Now, I actually don't remember who does this, but I have seen it. Where we're in here together and we're worshiping, and I think, how odd to worship like this while everybody else is singing. I don't see praise on the lips. Oh, it's praising on the inside. I sound bad on the outside, so I'm just praising on the inside. It never says anything about praising on the inside, only. It says it's on your lips. It's not enough to just think it. And I'm telling you, it's not enough to just think your prayers. It's not enough to just think your praises. Let it be on your lips. There's something powerful about vocalizing your praise. It's powerful not only as a blessing to God, but it's powerful for our own happiness. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I get in my car to go to the place of prayer where I go. And in the car, I already start, God, it's been too long. My mouth has been shut too long. I've been meeting with you, reading your word, and I've just been silent. I need to open my lips and praise you. And I'm saying all of this out loud in my car because there's a blessing that comes with vocalizing your prayers. It it seems more real. And I treat God as he is here in my car. He is here next to me. And I'm vocalizing my prayers. And his praise is on my lips. Now, you'll also notice in this verse, at all times and always. Now, that's a tall order (laughs) that you're going to vocalize at all times and always. Now, I don't think that means that when you're talking to me, I'm just going, hold on a second, you know, I'm just vocalizing my praises, 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 and not listening to you. I don't think it's talking about frequency and filling every minute. I think it's talking about no matter what happens. Whether it's good and you're praising God and what's going on in your life is just a gratitude for all the goodness or what's going on in your life is, from your perception, is a very challenging deal. So what? God is in control and God is good and he's going to work out this thing that's bad and hard and difficult. He's going to work it out for your good eventually and so you choose to pour out the full measure of you and vocalize your praise and trust in his character, in his goodness, in his faithfulness, no matter what happens. And so let's just review the recipe so far. So point number one's recipe, pour one full measure of you through praise on your lips, no matter what happens. Pretty simple recipe. I kind of like the simple recipes, don't you? 
Would you just repeat this after me, the simple recipe? Pour one full measure of you through praise on your lips, no matter what happens. Wow, that's powerful right there. We could just close in prayer and leave, and we would have something that we need to get a hold of and practice and live, and we would experience a new, deeper happiness that's just kind of growing and growing and growing in us. And praise gives us reason for more praise and it just kind of builds on itself as you just focus on the goodness of God and praise him for it and you start seeing the goodness of God everywhere and you're praising him more and more and more. But that's just verse one. Point number two. How will this recipe make me happy? How will this recipe make me happy? Now, I didn't put recipe in your outline because that would give away point one. So how would this make me happy? All right? This recipe blesses God. That's verse one. And now let's go to verse two. Psalm 34, two. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. And so it blesses God and blesses others around me when I'm vocalizing prayer. And so all this psalm is not written to the proud and arrogant person that doesn't really trust God. It's written to those who want to trust God and they're struggling with their happiness and yet they're beat down by adversity and they're humble through it all. And yet when you hear somebody else praising God and they're beat down by it too and they have the ability to see God in it and praise God in it, now that blesses this other beat down person that's struggling to praise God and they're encouraged to praise God too. This kind of praise blesses God and blesses others. Now, in children's church, they illustrate this by changing out the cups. Okay, so if the cup to pour into your own life that you pick and choose, whatever you're going to pour into your own life is a little bit shallow and a little bit uh, short-lived, what if we were to truly take God up on the offer and ask him to be the, the one who lets us taste and see how good he is? And then Doug goes off stage and he grabs God's cup and he grabs a two and a half gallon jug, um, those, those water dispensing jugs, so, so it's easy to handle. Uh, but even that's too limited to express God's overabundant blessing. And he starts pouring it into the red cup on the table. And Tanny has to hold the cup so it stays still. He's pouring and pouring. It goes up to the top and just starts overflowing. And you can't see it on the screen, but below the screen, there's a bucket capturing all of the, the water that's cascading off of the table. It just thunders down below as this cup is just overflowing. God keeps pouring and pouring and pouring. And then Tanny does something interesting while God is pouring the, the blessings on the individual. Tanny takes another cup and holds it under the table and catches the overflow. And that's the picture that God is able to bless your life to overflowing to where it starts to bless somebody else's life. I, I just kind of want to be in children's church and see it again. <laughs> you know? It's really good stuff. Let's move to Psalm 34.3, proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. This 
recipe? How could it make me happy? This recipe strengthens my faith as it strangles my fear. It strengthens your faith as it strangles your fear. When you start blessing the Lord and praising Him, it blesses others around you. Your faith gets strengthened and your fear diminishes. It happens by choice when you decide to trust God and put your focus on that trust, your faith elevates. But if you don't decide to do this, your fear elevates. And we have been living in a time of elevated fear where people are choosing less frequency of blessing the Lord and more frequency of trying to cope by blessing themselves whatever way they can and it's not working across the nation. Now there's been a study on this that I read and it's a recent study just describing the effects of mental health across our nation. And every group is struggling with their mental health, dropping it with the exception of one group. And that, are, that is those who are still coming together and blessing the Lord and choosing to bless the Lord together. Now, I find that fascinating because verse 3 reads, Let us exalt his name together. Let us exalt his name together. Instead of isolation, just coping with the isolation and doing the best we can, why not gather people together, even if you're not here in person on campus, online, gather people with you that you can bless the Lord together. Don't just watch online and watch music online with your mouth shut and because you're in your living room feeling stupid about singing out loud invite people to join you or decide to come and be together because the one group whose mental health made a tick in the upward direction was those who chose to worship God together. Everybody else in isolation, their mental health, their sense of fear, their sense of security diminished according to this study. There's something to this. And Jesus said whenever two or three of you meet together in my name, there I am in your midst. Matthew 18. There's something powerful. Now, I was just telling you earlier that Jesus is with me in my car all by myself, and there's something powerful about solo worship. But Jesus says something where we can't let go of corporate worship, which means in the body. I'm not talking about business. It means together together worshiping God, when two or three are intentional about coming together for the purposes of worshiping God, there's a power there that Jesus describes. And right here is inviting that together worship. So if you want to strengthen your faith and strangle your fears, proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. Verse 3. If you want to strengthen your faith and diminish your faith, pro, fa, fear, diminish your fear, proclaim the Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's power there. So next time we sing together, don't do this. Don't do it on the inside. Let it come out. Let it come out. Verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This recipe, how does it work? 
It fills you with radiant joy. I don't know how to explain it, but God does it. And it starts to radiate from you and others want to experience what you're experiencing, a radiating joy. And when your radiating joy is diminished, what's the solution? Bless the Lord. Your full measure of joy before God and focusing on his faithfulness so that you can strengthen your faith and experience that radiant joy. Now, the opposite of that is taking place all across the nation. And so I point you to this quote. Some people brighten up a room just by leaving it. (laughs) Stop spreading gloom. Spread praise. What is praise? Praise is faith turned inside out. Praise is spoken faith. Praise is not just inside of you. Praise is faith turned inside out. And so in a room... Speak your praises. In a room, radiate joy so that when you leave the room, they feel like, oh, 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 do you have to go? Instead of, whew, good riddance. (laughs) Right? How many conversations are we having these days where every get-together is radiating around gloom, bad news, and fear, and everything's going wrong? We, of all people, should do better than this because we have a God who is radiating our joy and he has been faithful to us in the past. He is faithful to us right now and he will be faithful to us in the future. We have no reason to be bearers of gloom. Psalm 34, 6 through 7. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his trouble. All his troubles, plural. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. So, how does this work? How does this recipe work? This recipe protects you. When you choose to trust Jesus, you choose to trust God, you choose to praise the name of God, he protects you. He draws near to you. He comes to your rescue. So a quote on the screen, there is power in praise. Focusing on your troubles amplifies your troubles. Praising God magnifies him before your very eyes. And so when God is magnified in your view, in your perspective, in your outlook, in your heart, these troubles seem small because God is so much bigger in your outlook. So by way of review, this blesses God and others. How does this recipe make me happy? This blesses God and others. This strengthens your faith and strangles your fear. This fills you with radiant joy. This protects you. Now, it seems like we're already talking about results, but we get a whole bunch of more results, so we go point number three, results. In a recipe, all of the individual parts are always smaller than when you put it together. The end result is bigger than the sum of all the parts. I mean, seriously, if you want to do this with a kid, uh, just have them start tasting every ingredient before you put it together in the cake, and they're going, I don't want to eat that cake. 
because all the ingredients by themselves, with the exception of a couple of them, are, you know, they're not that great. But when you put it all together, the sum of the parts is so much greater in the experience. And so we're back to verse 8 in the invitation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. Now that's an invitation for you to experience this and to taste the greater results of all of these parts that we've been talking about. So, happiness by experiencing God is the result. That's one of the results. Happiness by experiencing God. Literally, tasting and seeing. There's an experiencing God. So if your experience of God is so far removed, it's always just knowing something about God, you haven't drawn near to God. You don't have an intimacy with God where you can say, I know him. You need to draw near enough to where you experience and can describe that you know him, which is different than knowing about him. There's a taste and see element where you can experience his goodness. Now suppose somebody comes up to me and tells me something like, I don't believe in your God. My experience shows that he's just not real. He's not there. And I don't... Trust him because of this and this and this. It can't even be real. Now, good luck that person trying to convince me that he's not real. Because it's like, oh, really? He is real. Because I experience him this way and this. Every time I come to him, he's so real to me. It'd be kind of like somebody coming to me and saying, coconut cream pie is disgusting. I say, what? That can't be. My experience with coconut cream pie every time is just delightful. It's like amazing. It's so, am I lighting up a little too much? <laughs> it's so good. You can't convince me coconut cream pie is not good because my experience has convinced me it is good. We need to have a relationship with God where our experience is so convincing to us. A person can't say to us, there is no possible way that God is real. It's like, what? He sure is. It's just start talking about how I prayed this prayer and he answered it this way and I did this and he did that and it's just so real. That person goes, huh, that's not my experience. Well, are you praying? Do you believe in him? Have you experienced him? Are you listening to him? You need to experience him. Let's jump to verse 11. Come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life, loving a long life to enjoy what is good? So come, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is someone who desires life, loving long life to enjoy what is good? So we're talking about happiness by experience, and we're talking about a lasting joy that is the results that you can experience. Better than shallow short-lived coconut cream pie, okay? Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. By the way, every time we read righteous, we think, oh, that's not me. Or we think self-righteous, don't think that. Think of a person that's put into a right relationship with God through the method and covenant 
God has given them. In the Old Testament, a right relationship with God was maintained through the temple system and trusting that God is taking care of their sin through the temple system for us. The temple system is fulfilled by Jesus Christ. We enter into a right relationship with God where we are in a right relationship with God because of Jesus and bringing our sins before Jesus and he takes them away and staying in a right relationship with God. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. I see here the results of personalized care. He's looking around to see if you are in Christ, that you are trusting Christ, that you're in a right relationship with him through that trust. And are you experiencing personalized care? And how would you even know? Well, if you are aware of his answers to prayer and you're praying, you're seeing it taking place and he is filling you with these things that we're describing, it feels very personal. Verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. Personalized care. How would you know? <laughs> answers to prayer. Whoa, I thought this was really going down bad, but you know what he just did? Answers to prayer. Personalized care. Verse 18, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. Make sure you maintain a right relationship with God by always humbling yourself before God. A broken and contrite heart he will not despise. Always confess your sins, stay small before God. God is large and humble yourself before him and focus on his goodness and greatness. Humble yourself. He is near those who know they're messed up. And looking to him for salvation and help. Near. If you want intimacy with God, don't go to the place you think, I've got this, I'm good. I'm good now. No. Always go before God knowing your own weakness and his strength. And he will draw near to you. He doesn't despise the brokenness there. Express your brokenness, express your weakness, and you will experience an intimacy with God, a closeness as you're very honest and real before Him. The results also are verse 19 one who is righteous has many adversities. I'm glad there's that there. You'd almost think, like, oh, He takes care of us and we don't experience hardships. No, we experience many hardships. It just says right there. The one who is righteous has many adversities, but the Lord rescues him from them all. Just trust the God who you're close to and walk with him through these adversities. You don't know how it's going to go, but he's going to work it all out for good. Trust that it will be good. And he's going to work it all out forever. Psalm 34, 22, the Lord redeems the life of his servants and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. What does it mean to take refuge in him? In the, I've already mentioned, in the old covenant, take refuge in him, the way he described how you take refuge in him. Your safety is in the temple sacrificial system. In the new covenant, our safety is now in Christ, in him, the Lord. And he has replaced the sacrificial system by his once and for all sacrifice. And this is 
forever. The Lord redeems the life of his servants forever. And all who take refuge in him will not be punished forever. And so the results, let's just go through what I've just gone through. Point number three. Happiness by experiencing God, lasting joy, personalized care, intimacy with God forever. I'm in. (laughs) I hope you want to be in too. And so only God, on the screen the next quote, only God can fill your empty tank. And only through Jesus' sacrifice will you be redeemed and purified. We're no longer in the old covenant era. Christ has come. He's fulfilled it. The temple system is gone. He said it was going to be that way. Gone. He is the fulfillment of that system. Only through Christ now, the redeemed are purified so that God will take up residence in you. Whoa, it went way beyond what they expected. Now God takes up residence in you because you're redeemed and purified and you with him forever. That is a huge invitation. 